Hiring, onboarding, compliance, tracking absences, finding substitutes. It's all in a day's work for human resources departments at school districts around the country. And it's all in the service of making school happen. We've got great people that are here and they're working their tails off every single day. How can we make their lives better, more efficient, more effective? So today, we're looking at one district that set out to make sure that principals, supervisors, hiring managers, and other leaders have the information, the data, and the processes they need to hire and support teachers and staff and help them grow. And what it takes to get people on board with everything that they're doing. This is change process. Uh, you know, anybody that knows anything about the change process knows it takes time. It takes multiple iterations. It takes patience. Uh, it takes rattling cages and moving some cheese occasionally. And that's okay, too. From Frontline Education, this is Field Trip. All right. My name is Russell Miller. I serve as uh, Assistant Superintendent uh, for Human Resources for Andover Public Schools. In case you're wondering, that's Andover, Kansas. It's always important we throw the Kansas in there because we uh, occasionally get applications and inquiries from Massachusetts <laughs> and lots of other places that have Andovers. Beginning my fifth year in Andover, been around the block a few times and uh, actually starting my 39th year in public ed this year. So what all does an assistant superintendent for human resources at a school district do? <laughs> oh, that I was only to do HR. I joke with uh, my superintendent occasionally that my title should be assistant superintendent of other duties as assigned, just because of the plethora of things that, that I end up involved in in our district. The HR function is obviously a huge part of my job and all things connected to personnel, evaluation, onboarding, offboarding, hiring, termination, benefits, connection with payroll, contracts, um, all of those issues there that, that kind of come at you all the time. You're just dealing with them we always tend to think that there will be a time where, where we'll kind of get a little bit of a rest from the uh, onboarding process. And, and certainly this time of year is busier than, than most, but we, it, we never really stop hiring and onboarding and orienting and, and doing all of those things connected to HR. When most people think about school, they think about kids tumbling off of buses in the morning, bouncing into the building. They think about teachers and whiteboards and all the stuff that happens in classrooms. They think about sports and band and clubs. They probably don't think about all the behind-the-scenes work that goes into making school happen. I asked Dr. Miller, what is one thing about the work that he and his team do that he wishes people could see? You know, we, we have a running joke in, in central office. I experienced this in in uh, my prior roles also, but it's no different here in Andover that you, you get to a point where you go, if one more person asks me what I did over the summer, I'm going <laughs> to smack them. You know, it's just like, well, everybody's off in the summer. Nothing really happens. And, and they, they don't realize exactly what you're saying. All the things that happen to make sure that that bus goes out to pick up kids, to make sure that 
that food is ordered to serve to kids at, at lunchtime and and that there are cooks there to prepare that food and there are custodians that are coming in after school to sweep and mop and clean bathrooms. And uh, I, I like to to look at, at our role collectively, whether it's in HR, business office, finance, curriculum and instruction, food service operations, maintenance. I mean, there's, there's a whole lot of stuff that honestly makes school happen. And if we didn't have these functions, we wouldn't have teachers in classrooms. We wouldn't have supplies for them to use. We wouldn't have uh, clean classrooms for them to teach in. Uh, so I, I think overall, it's just every day, what have we done to make that process better and to make sure that we have the right people in the right place doing the right thing at the right time? And it's those, those connections to uh, the overall mission certainly continues to be the education and instruction and, and the development of kids. That's the rubber meets the road in those classrooms every single day. And we never forget that. And hopefully everything we do helps that happen. So that's the goal, helping to make school happen. But as you know, all of that stuff that happens behind the scenes, it takes work. It takes bringing people together. It takes technology. It takes data to help make decisions. It takes managing change. That's the direction our conversation today is going. And in order to get there, we need to look at the things that stand in the way of effectiveness. I, I think there's um, a variety of things that can possibly serve as impediments to any of us being as effective as we would like to be in the in the HR world, and, and whether that's hiring teachers or rewarding longtime staff or trying to fill a tech support vacancy. Money is <laughs> is a major driver very often in in public ed. It's how can I compete with the private sector? Uh, it's getting more and more difficult. So that certainly on the salary and benefits side is a challenge that you work to make better and to be competitive, to also encourage people to look at the intangibles about your district and how wonderful you are to work for and a great place to be or raise a family. But Dr. Miller said, it's not just money that keeps HR or indeed any department in a school district from being effective. One huge issue, he said, is when different departments like human resources, the business office, curriculum and instruction, professional development, when they do their work in isolation from each other, when they work in silos. And we create those silos for good reason. We don't want me making curriculum decisions. That's not my gift, my role, my focus. Likewise, we probably don't want a maintenance or operations director making hiring decisions about teachers. So we end up with some fairly disconnected parts of the organization, departmentally or within the, uh, the overall uh, structure uh, of the district that I think makes it a challenge. And then I, I believe related to that, Ryan, is the also siloed approach to applications that we often have in terms of technology and and processes, not even just technology, but processes that we use within departments or divisions of of an organization. And the more of those things that that we have that operate completely independently 
uh, without any kind of effort to tie in or integrate with other systems, the more challenging it becomes. So what are those challenges? Sure, it often makes sense for people to stay in their own lanes. But what is the downside to having those silos? When you get down to it, how does not having the right technology or the right processes to connect departments together ultimately come back to bite you? I, I think the downside comes when an organization purposefully makes sure that those lanes never merge and that those silos stay intact. And, and I think I, it may be best kind of provide an example of that from uh, an experience that, that we had here in Andover was when we were working through some integration issues and trying to make things work better. We had HR keeping track and being in control of some data. Uh, we had the payroll department, which is under the business function, keeping and controlling some data. And then we had our, our tech department and our, our student information system folks also in charge of and controlling some data. And the problem was the, the data that was being controlled was duplicated in three separate systems, but it wasn't the same. And so when you're trying to look up an emergency contact for a teacher who became ill, you go to your HR system and you have a phone number that's disconnected or is no longer in service or they change cell phones or whatever. And you're chasing your tail and you find out, well, no, I told the secretary and she updated it in the, the SIS. I'm going like, I, I don't live in SIS. I don't go there to look for your phone number. They clearly had some stuff to work out. Who owns the data? Who makes the changes? And working through this, configuring their software to help them manage it was a learning process and a change process. I go back to one of my favorite books of all time is, is Who Moved My Cheese? And anytime that you're uh, playing around with change, you start moving cheese. And, and, and we certainly did that because we, we, we even took away user permissions that had been granted to particular people because we determined that that was a cause of some disconnected data and we needed to, to pull it back in. I'm, I'm all for site-based decision-making. Uh, and the further away you are from the district office, the more you are in favor of site-based decision-making. <laughs> and, and I recall that well as being a building principal for years and years. I didn't want people telling me what to do and you know, let me do my thing. And the longer you are, uh, you know, the, the longer you're in uh, the central administration setting, no matter how large your school district may be, whether it's a district of five to six thousand like Andover or a district of forty or fifty thousand, you've still got these processes that that are very much similar and driving the the same type of data mismatch. We, we just had to come back and say, we know you've always taken care of updating that field and, and all of that for your campus, but it's, we're not going to do it that way anymore. And uh, people, you know, they, they, they either stay grumpy or they get over it and move on. And that was certainly our, our experiences, just trying to go, this needs to be controlled centrally. We need to have some sort of systemic connection to this data in order to make it make sense and to be as accurate as we possibly can. 
I want to think uh, about processes a little bit more and talk about that specifically as it relates to systems thinking, which you have done some some presenting about because our whole conversation today is really about systems, not just software systems, but thinking about how any system functions. Can you share a little bit about your view of systems thinking, how you define it and what it looks like in school administration? I was trying to think how to best explain that. I, I, I've always been intrigued, and, and I think that's why I was drawn to leading some of the change efforts that I've been involved in in, in this district and in another district prior to this. Is It's just kind of the way I, I think. And so looking at a system uh, of schools, not as, as individual schools and offices and departments and buildings, but a system of schools. Uh, we, we have that discussion at times of whether it's a classroom or a school building or a piece of equipment is that does not belong to you. That's not your school. It belongs to the school district. Uh, that classroom is not yours. You're allowed to teach there. Uh, so the overarching umbrella of all of these things are connected and everything that happens across the scope of the district needs to have a level of systemic lens. What happens in transportation impacts 10 different schools in our district. So one school can't just randomly change their beginning and ending times because it messes up routes for the rest of the elementary schools per se. So that's how, how are those things connected? What level of decisions can be uh, site-based, but what needs to have that systemic lens, whether it's in, you know, staffing, making decisions on, on how many people you have to spread across a number of schools and the, how they're divided if they're itinerant and making um, decisions on, on how custodial staff are going to be allocated around the district. Do you do that just by the same number at each school or do you look at square footage and responsibilities and outside activities that has to have a systemic lens in order to, to make that decision? So that, that drove a lot of, I, I've always been intrigued with it. Even as a building principal, I, I felt like I had a pretty decent systemic lens when I you know, would have conversations with my colleagues and, and other administrators. And what I realized after I came to central office was like, holy cow, I, I did not have any idea all the parts and pieces that, that were being thrown together and juggled and, and manipulated in order to make sure that I had everything I needed to, to have to be a, an effective principal. Thinking about systems, I, I'd love to hear you talk about that specifically as it relates to hiring, say, say a new teacher. And someone might approach that process just as it comes. Yeah, we got to post a position. Okay, I suppose now we need an interview and now we've got to do the review. But how does having a system for this help you be more strategic, more effective, more efficient, and, and ultimately make sure you have the right person in the right classroom because you've gone about it in a systematic way? Well, I think you know, one of the biggest drivers for me, I believe, is the efficiency argument. It's actually, it's not been too many years ago that I applied uh, for a position just in my previous job. When I applied in that district, the application was a PDF form that you downloaded off the district website to fill out. 
I was appalled, not only that I had to fill something out by hand because my handwriting is so poor and I would much rather do it on a computer. It wasn't even a fillable PDF. That was when I was like, okay, we're, we're going to make some changes. So, and then we, we started going down the road of, of getting an applicant tracking system in place to automate some of that process and to have some centralized control in, in, in it along the way. But even connected to that, in that prior life that was not that many years ago, it was, I mean, 10, probably 10 years ago now, if I think back that far. But if a principal wanted to review applications, they had to make time to come down to central office and go through a file folder and look at paper applications, paper resumes, paper letters of reference, all of that kind of thing. So... When you think about the total lack of efficiency there, as well as having to be the gatekeeper of, no, you can't take that file with you. I have to have that here because Sally has a vacancy in third grade also, and she needs to look at that file. It, it just, it, it was incredibly inefficient. So moving to a, an applicant tracking system allowed us flexibility that we'd never had before and the efficiency of that along the way of I can jump in and review applications when I have a minute during the day or at lunch or in the morning while I'm drinking my coffee or in the evening after I got home I can I can log in and look at applications I can I can review resumes I can run through references and, and kind of get an idea of who's in the pool and having that accessibility as an administrator just with a quick login was invaluable and that was a real short sell I, I'll tell you when when we first implemented an applicant tracking system in my previous district it was I, overnight, it was like, oh my God, why did we wait so long to to do this? So that's been really helpful. The other part connected to that, though, is the process. And I would say the process probably looks different from district to district to district. What what we've tried to do is just lay out a number of steps. And, and if, if a principal or a supervisor, hiring manager, whatever lingo you want to use there, if they have a vacancy a bona fide vacancy because somebody's resigned, uh, retired, or maybe they've gotten some additional allocation, they submit a requisition for that. They're not calling down to HR and asking us to post that position. They're starting that process. So that comes through. That comes to me to review and approve and edit as I see fit. Then it moves on to the next step. Then it gets posted. And all of that, it involves the person who started the requisition, myself and my HR specialist. So there's three people involved, but it happens independent of one another in a sequential manner. And that job gets posted usually within you know 24 hours of it being submitted. It's out there in various places, wherever we happen to have it besides our own applicant tracking system. And then likewise, that supervisor and hiring manager has the ability to monitor applications along the way set a closing date, go in and, and review, make determinations about who they're going to interview. Um, as much as I love systemic approach, what I don't like is to micromanage that process. We're a very small department in terms of our, our district of, we've got about 5,800 kids, K-12, 
uh, pre-K to 12, and we've got a, a virtual school and nearly 700 full-time employees. But our district office footprint is extremely small. We, we do not have very many people running the central office function in our district. So frankly, I don't have time to pre-screen every applicant that comes in for a teaching position or a custodial position or, or a food service position. We leave that process of going through applications and making determinations on, on who's going to be interviewed. That's up to the hiring manager. And then we, you know, we, we certainly expect them to, to follow policy and procedures and things like that along the way. And, and the regular guidance that HR folk like me put out and the questions you can ask and the questions you can't ask and, and non-discriminatory practices and all of that has to be in place. But in the end, they're making a recommendation to us on on who we're going to hire, and we typically we we don't second guess that. My my principals who are you know if they're hiring a an eighth grade math teacher or a fourth grade classroom teacher or a a high school CTE teacher, they know what their needs are. I I don't want to make the decision for them in terms of who they're going to hire for that position. But once they've made that decision, we're here then to take that and run it through the rest of the process. Once the hiring manager has made that decision, Dr. Miller and his team run with it through the onboarding process and setting them up for a successful career. Submitting the recommendation to hire and that approval process really is just the beginning. And certainly one of the first first things we do is background check before any official job offer is made. But you know, once that has confirmed that we're we're good to go and, and an offer has been accepted, it kicks over to onboarding and, and then that that process kind of takes on a life of its own. I mean, we've got a lot of information to gather on a new hire, you know, between uh, payroll forms and direct deposit and policy requirements and payroll taxes and sign-offs for this, that, and the other related to becoming a, an employee. Uh, there, there's just a lot of paperwork up front, benefits, a sign-up, employee orientation, getting an email address, uh, network access, all of those things get triggered with that onboarding process. Once we get all of that done and they're ready to move on to orientation at their department or, or building level or, or wherever they may be, we kind of hand that process off to that hiring manager, uh, supervisor, principal. They, they, they take it from there. But certainly, our job doesn't end at that point. We are tracking lots of data through our, our centralized HR filing, our digital filing cabinet. We've got all of those parts and pieces, whether it's contracts or work agreements or acceptable use policies. All of those things are ongoing. Professional learning, professional development, evaluation, that continues uh, on and on and, and is housed in, in those systems. About that digital filing. Dr. Miller said that everyone hired since about three years ago has a personnel file that is pretty much entirely digital, which is great, but it's also a process. They have several decades worth of hires and filing cabinets that they're also working on converting to digital. Because when that information is digitized, it's a lot easier to use. In fact, I had this conversation with a um, principal in, in the last school year, I think it was, that she had a question on a teacher's salary placement due to a discussion that they were having at her school. And I told her, I, I said, are you at your computer? And she said, yes. So I, I had her log in to our, our, our system. And I said, 
look up her name. She said, okay, I'm there. I said, do you see the personnel documents tab? Yeah. I said, click that. She clicked on it. The next thing I heard was, wow, I had no idea we had access to this. Her contract was right there. Her, her placement on the salary schedule was right there, and she had access to it. But she wasn't used to having access to it. And we had never really made a point of going, you guys have all of this stuff right there anytime you need it. So that's a shift in, in, in thinking and, and process right there. Bringing about systems-level change is not easy. People are protective of the systems they use and the processes they have, and change can be disruptive. I asked Dr. Miller how he went about getting buy-in from not just his district leadership, but from the people who would ultimately use the system they put into place. And he said that when he first arrived at the district, before they switched to Frontline, at least people could acknowledge that the systems and processes they were using at the time weren't working as well as they needed them to be. That was the starting point, getting people to agree that here's where we are, and the system that the business office is using is separate from the one that the technology department is using, which is separate from the one that HR is using. And that is not what we need. We even within HR had two different systems going for whether a person was licensed or classified. Uh, so taking stock of what you have is so critical. And, and I, I think also looking at not always just looking for what's not working, but the whole appreciative inquiry side of what's working, what's working well. You know, number one, we've got great people that are here and they're working their tails off every single day. How can we make their lives better, more efficient, more effective? This system works great. You know what? It can stand alone as in its own silo because nobody needs it. And we honestly don't want anybody to touch it. But here's another couple that, boy, it sure would be nice if those two things talk to each other. How, how can we make that happen? So really taking that first step of taking an assessment of what you have, what it's for, how it works, what you're doing with that information uh, is just critical. And then developing some sort of vision for what does that, what, what could that look like? What do we need it to do? What would we like it to do if we could wave a magic wand and have everything fixed tomorrow. And that's kind of what, what, we, what we did here in Andover was just looked at a, the variety of systems that we had and, and began to look at, you know, we're duplicating some efforts here. Uh, we, we, even within HR, we're doing two different things. That needs to stop. We need to have one process that we use for everybody. And so we made some decisions there. In, in that process, we actually were able to cancel a multi-thousand dollar contract on software that it was just it was a duplication of effort and unnecessary so making those decisions was was critical and, and developing that vision for what could be and then also then working to say how do we get there because one of one of the one of the challenges that we have in any time in these systems ryan is we can't shut the office down for three months while we take down a new system and bring up a new system and learn how to use it. So, you know, back to the metaphor a prior superintendent of mine used was just you're, you're working on the, on the jet while it's rolling down the runway on takeoff. <laughs> and that's what it felt like. I mean, we, we're, we are making decisions and changing systems and adopting new systems and decommissioning other systems 
and having some transition time and overlap, that's all happening at the same time. And, and that's an incredible challenge. And you've got to have people that are, that are really committed to the long-term goal and the short-term pain that they're going to endure for that process. I think it's, it is so incredibly critical that the organizational leadership have knowledge and be aware of the challenges that exist across the organization. And the blessing that, that we had was even with, you know, some members or, or folks in our district not quite sharing the same comfort with technology and integration that I had, they knew that that's where we needed to go. There was an acknowledgement that, yeah, we need to move forward. We, we are still in the 1960s here and we, we need to get moving. So when we think about implementing software like this, obviously it's always easier to say, boy, if I'd have known then what I know now about building this jet while it's running down the runway, what are some things that you would say for anyone looking to implement a piece of software like this to help them do it well, do it more effectively uh, and make it, make it for a smoother ride? Well, I think that first of all, back to that clear vision of of what you want to have happen at the end of the process, that if you don't know where you're going and you're just kind of making stuff up as you go along, uh, it's not going to end well. In fact, it may never actually end. You know, those are, those are the times you have efforts that start and just fail or get bookshelved because somebody doesn't have time to do it. But knowing where they, where that goal is, what you're wanting to get to, realizing that it, that you are making a long-term commitment. This is not a flip the switch moment. This is change process. Uh, you know, anybody that knows anything about the change process knows it takes time. It takes multiple iterations. It takes patience. Uh, it takes rattling cages and moving some cheese occasionally. And that's okay too. But knowing where, where you want to go. And then I, I think related to that, then backward mapping a timeline of how to get there and, and making sure that that timeline is realistic, knowing that at the same time you're trying to do that work, you're still doing your regular job. You know, I've still got angry parents calling in as, as you know, that dealing with complaints and, and the you know, public concerns. And that's a part of my job, dealing with legal and policy questions from principals. That stuff doesn't stop. So I have to be able to juggle all of those pieces and give myself enough grace and enough time in, in building that timeline. And, and that's critical. Certainly having enough people is, is a part of that process and acknowledging who you have, what their uh, responsibilities are, and what you're asking them to do. It, it's critical. You, you can't just dump all that on somebody that's already got a 60-hour-a-week a job that they're doing in 40 hours. So being realistic is so critical. Being willing to invest some additional resources. Maybe that means you need to hire somebody temporarily to take a little load off of somebody that you're delegating some implementation process to. I think the other thing that has been helpful for me along the way, and, and, I, and I believe I've, I've maybe I've uh, served in this role for others, is seeking out in your network people who have been through similar experiences. While we are all in um, different districts that look, you know, the, the jobs are a little different, how many employees you have, where you're located, what kind of organizational structure do you have? I, there's, 
There's 286 school districts in Kansas. I can guarantee you there are 286 different ways to take care of human resources <laughs> in our state. But there are other people in my professional network who have gone through similar practices uh, that I am stepping into. So taking the time to network and learn from others that have gone through a similar process, even if it's not the same uh, software or application that, that you're implementing, just learning what what worked for you. How did you manage the workload versus the implementation? But reach out to those those professional colleagues and, and resources that you have. Certainly, we um, have a tremendous relationship with Frontline, and, and I have relied on on that customer service connection heavily through not only implementation, but ongoing use of, of products. It's an ongoing process, of course. There's always more to do, additional ways to improve. But my last question for Dr. Miller was simple. What is the outcome? These integrated systems, these clearer processes, digital files, better workflows, and all of that, all of this change that they've driven, how does it make their jobs better? How does it allow his team, his district, to serve teachers, staff, and students more effectively? I, I think that we are better serving our customers. You know, honestly, it, it comes back to, and I don't know if we, you had asked me this earlier, but kind of the driving force for me personally and in, in in everything that, that we're about is a, a spirit of service. We, we serve our employees and our applicants, and we need to do that well. We need to be a, a resource for our hiring managers and for anyone who's, who's got questions, uh, whether it's an applicant or a supervisor or a board member. That, that's our job. So I believe these systems in developing a stronger integrated system and process behind the system has allowed us to serve better and serve more efficiently. My hiring managers, principals, supervisors, other administrators have access to more information now than, than they ever had previously when everything used to be locked in personnel filing cabinets. They've got a quick review of, of sometimes dozens of applicants for a single position and, and they don't have to wait on us to send them copies. Uh, so that system approach and the digital footprint makes their jobs easier because they're they're not chasing data they've got access to it when they need it at whatever time they need it they they can do it at 9 30 at night or two o'clock in the morning if that's when they choose to review applications that's okay i i think it has just helped us to to be more effective and efficient and allow better collaboration but I do think what, what, it, what it has allowed us is not only we, we have the technology system in place, but it has allowed us to build a, a process that involves multiple people, but everybody knows what the process is. And we've worked hard to do some overlap training. So if somebody's out on vacation, a process doesn't stall, somebody can pick it up, but we can take that and that person that's being hired and move them through the process fairly quickly and make sure everything gets done along the way uh, that used to maybe take a couple of weeks because it's shifting from this person to this person in a file folder or an email gets sent and, and then somebody's updating a 
a Google form and then a school secretary has to enter something at the site level, that's gone. Uh, so that's handled by fewer people and there's a defined process. So that enables us to go quicker, which then allows people that are being hired to be in their positions sooner. And that benefits our school, our departments, our district along the way. Dr. Russell Miller is Assistant Superintendent for Human Resources at Andover Public Schools in Kansas. Dr. Miller, thank you for taking uh, an hour of your time today. It's been great to talk to you, and I'm grateful that you've shared your experiences. My pleasure, Ryan. Thank you for the opportunity. Field Trip is a podcast from Frontline Education, the leading provider of school administrative software. That includes Frontline HRMS, part of Frontline's Human Capital Management Suite. Frontline HRMS is designed to help your HR team quickly recruit, hire, and onboard great talent, as well as drive compensation, benefits, and position management. For more information, visit frontlineeducation.com slash fieldtrippodcast. For Frontline Education, I'm Ryan Estes. Thanks for listening, and have a great day.